0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Three Minute Therapy Podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, and I'm a clinical psychologist, practitioner of REBT for many years. Excuse me. And um, REBT stands for Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, the forerunner to cognitive behavior therapy. It was devised by Albert Ellis in 1955 And it's based on the notion that your emotions don't come from situations. So if I'm fired and I'm depressed, I'm not depressed because I was fired, I'm depressed because of what I'm telling myself about being fired, the ideas in my head. And that's a very powerful notion because if it's your thinking that causes your emotions, then you can change your thinking if you don't like what you're feeling. And that's what we and my colleagues here do uh, as REBT therapists. We help people identify their irrational thinking, usually in the form of musts, shoulds, supposed tos, have tos, awfuls, terribles, self downing and can stand it, and uh, look at things more reasonably and more logically and empirically. Uh, Albert Ellis, the founder of REBT, wrote over 80 books, so if you'd like to read more, you can go to Amazon, read books by Albert Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, and uh, I have a few books. The most popular is called Three Minute Therapy, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. I'd like to introduce you to our team today, and first is Chris Rossini, who you won't be seeing, but he's our technical engineer for whom we're very grateful. And Kevin Benbow is an REBT therapist in Yuma, Arizona. And if you're in that area, uh, insurance will often cover your sessions with Kevin. Is that right, Kevin?
1: Uh, Yes, sir. Mm -hmm.
0: That's correct. And our guest today is Niraj Nanal coming to us straight from India, and uh, Niraj is a student of psychology and of RABT. And Niraj has some questions uh, for us about the theory and practice of Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy. So, Niraj, would you like to start? Yes. So, um,
2: my first question is uh, regarding the thrust of Uh, thrust on reason in R.E.B.T. And uh, it logically makes sense. But uh, one question I have is whatever I uh, came across about Freud, and he he says, so I I will uh, explain it, what I really want to say. And one uh, argument given by Freud is that uh, we are, uh, human beings are set of sub-personalities. And thinking is just one part of our whole consciousness. So if you consider human uh, consciousness, thinking is just a small part of it. Now, just working on that thinking part probably will not able to resolve the deep psychological conflict. Uh, One example which I came across is like, imagine that uh, the owner of the house is a violent and angry person and all the neighbors are explaining to the security guard of the house that how the anger doesn't make sense how it is bad and how it is uh, uh, it will dis, uh, destruct uh, it, it is destructive and blah 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 so explaining this to security guard is not going to change the owner in any way so here obviously the metaphor is used uh, thinking uh, for security guard is is the metaphor is used as a thinking or the rationality part of it and uh, house owner is what freud called as deep psychological conflict and uh, the deep uh, early childhood uh, trauma and all those things so uh, my the bottom line of my question is the reason has limitations and just working on the reasons will not solve the problem that is my first uh, question and second question is jordan peterson who is is kind of a proponent of the freudian thought um, uh, although he may not he does not agree with the whole uh, whole hypothesis and the whole submission of freud but he says that the freud was the first person who uh, understood that the unconscious there are many things in our psyche which we don't uh, have awareness about and we are set up sub personalities uh, which uh, main, which we thinking may not have control over all these things So these are my uh, two questions. Uh, I hope I have made myself clear. Okay, well,
0: let's take the first one first, which basically, if we were to uh, shrink it down into what saying without the metaphors and the obfuscation is Uh, that thinking is too superficial and we have to get to the deep underlying conflicts probably, this is what Freud said, probably Oedipal conflicts, uh, things that occurred when you were three years old and you wanted to have sex with your mother and you were afraid your father was going to castrate you and those kinds of things. So it's necessary to get back to that. So that's a nice fantasy. And Freud was very popular in his day. He was a great uh, salesman. And uh, he did a good job at making up these stories. He also made up stories about how he cured certain clients. One was nicknamed the Wolfman. And many years later, after Freud died, the Wolfman was interviewed. And he said he was never helped by Freud. Freud invented this. So I wouldn't uh, take Freud's word very seriously. The way uh, our emotions work, it comes from our thinking. And yes, sometimes deep thinking, thinking that we've... uh, been convincing ourselves of for, uh, for many, many years in which we as humans have genetic predispositions to believe. So it takes a lot of work and practice to change that. But also uh, in terms of the security guard and the owner, it takes uh, motivation and interest to change it. And uh, I don't know that the, that the uh, security that the owner had much interest in, in changing his ideas. So, so the security guards uh, thinking or uh, other ideas is not gonna have much of an impact. So one thing we emphasize in REBT is practice, practice, practice. Identifying your irrational ideas, usually in the form of demands, musts and shoulds, and uh, that we escalate from our strong preferences. and uh, ta- And then practicing, questioning, challenging, and contradicting them again, and again, and again in our head and in writing and in other ways, imagery, behaviorally. So it's not uh, a one-shot magical pill. It's a discipline. And like any other discipline, it takes practice. Uh, so, and I recommend to my clients that they uh, practice practice uh, One way is to use what I call a three-minute exercise, ABCDF, which Kevin and I have explained in uh, previous uh, podcasts. Uh And uh, you can uh, find in my book, Three-Minute Therapy. So that's pretty much um, my response. Uh, Kevin, did you want to add or... Yeah, just sure. Just one small uh,
1: contribution here.
0: Uh, when we're
1: talking about thinking, it's important to know that uh, our thoughts—whether we're calling them irrational beliefs or they're more the uh, the inferences, the automatic thoughts—they can happen so quickly that it seems like there's no thinking going on. Uh, For example, I'm standing, I'm walking across the street, and I see a bus bearing down on me. I'm going to, it seems like all I'm feeling is the emotion that the bus is bearing down on me. Really, there's a, it's my appraisal of the situation that's happening very quickly. And this is what the human mind is very good at. We grab a situation, and we take these short, these mental shortcuts, and we appraise a situation In this case, there's a bus bearing down on me and I, it's better for me to get my ass across the street. So I don't get flattened. It's a completely different thing. If I happen to be, uh, if I happen to uh, look over at my wife and I see that she's, uh, texting somebody on her phone or she's having a conversation with somebody on her phone. And I immediately appraise that, that, uh, She's cheating on me. She's talking to somebody. Of course, that's the activating event. And then my belief must be, she shouldn't, it could be something like she shouldn't do that. So it's important to know that these uh, beliefs, we're not talking about someone's just taking the time to think. These things happen automatically and they are non-conscious processes. And our task as therapists is to help our clients pull these apart so they can see them in action and then change them. So I felt that's an important clarification to make. I think
0: it is. I think it is. Uh, thanks for that, Kevin. Uh, I would use the term habitually rather than automatically, but I think automatically is good too. So you habitually have certain thoughts. Now, what uh, Kevin and I do as RBT therapists is we help you uh, tune into and identify these automatic or habitual thoughts. And then once you do that, once you are aware uh, through uh, therapy usually uh, of what your musts and shoulds are, then uh, it's easier to identify them and sometimes even be more aware of what you're thinking at the time. And it doesn't seem as automatic. In order to identify your demands, uh, it's useful to think of the three main demands Uh, people have. One is a demand on oneself. I must do well and get approval or else I'm no good. And that leads to anxiety, depression, and guilt. The second demand is a demand on others. You must treat me well, fairly, and kindly. And if you don't, you're no good. And the third is a demand on the conditions of one's life, not on the... on. impersonal conditions, not on oneself or others. And that takes a form of life must be fair, easy, and hassle-free. And if it's not, I'll be miserable forever, so I better escape in addictions or procrastination. Uh, so that's uh, a basic outline of this approach and uh, some of the main underlying ideas here. Uh, Niraj, did you have uh, another question or further questions about what Kevin and I
2: said? So I think uh, your explanation uh, was very valuable, particularly when Kevin um, explained uh, habitual thinking and automatic thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think that was a valuable input. Now, uh, I want to move further.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
2: Hello. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that uh, you talked about, uh, Freud having a lot of fantasies. And uh, uh, in that regard, uh, I have a question uh, uh, what Jordan uh, Peterson uh, is, is, is making an argument against, pro- probably against the cognitive psychology. And his argument is in one of the talks, he said that uh, now the cognitive psychologists focus on hypothesis generation. Okay. Then the second part is testing, and then the third part is generalizing it to uh, the outside world or generalizing it uh, to the uh, to the masses. And here he he made an argument that uh, they focus on the second and third step, that is uh, the testing and uh, uh, generalizing it to the uh, overall uh, individual, overall masses, but. His argument is they do not focus on hypothesis generation. Where, those di- where does this hypothesis came from? They don't talk about that.
0: they say they don't do this, they don't do that. I think he
2: is he's, he's, uh, uh, probably uh, referring to cognitive psychologists. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So His argument is hypothesis generation, it is assumed that it comes from the deduction and induction of logical thinking, but it may not be so. So, hypothesis generation, when somebody argues that Freud has had fantasies, but when the cognitive psychologists talked about hypothesis generation, are they not fantasies or where do they come from? That is never questioned.
0: Yeah, so uh, that's a reasonable question. And hypothesis generation comes from a few things. And one is knowing about human nature and how human nature thinks. Uh, so that's more empirical. You learn about human nature through study. And, uh, and then the other one, uh, hypothesis generation, comes from knowing about specific clients and what they deal with. So as I uh, got more experience with clients, I was more and more uh, able to identify their irrational thinking. Of course, I asked them, does this ring true? And uh, uh, through the years, I got better and better uh, at identifying this. So it comes from uh, that also. So from experience uh, in working with people and from knowing about human nature and the way they think, and also by inference. So if someone um, touches a stove and quickly pulls a hand away, you can infer they felt pain when they touched the stove. You may be wrong, but that's a reasonable inference. So that's another place that comes from. Uh, Kevin, did you want to add to that?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, Neeraj, I have a question. When you're talking about hypothesis generation, are you uh, talking about uh, uh, the 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 general hypotheses in REBT and CBT about emotional disturbance or are you talking about the uh, hypotheses that uh, clients form when they're appraising a situation
2: yeah the way i look at it is that uh, let's look at the REBT hypothesis for example uh, you just now gave that uh, you saw your wife text, texting and mm-hmm. you felt angry or jealous or whatever it is and then the B is the hypothesis which you meant that she must not right mm-hmm. and then you test that hypothesis. But the question is, how did you come to this hypothesis?
1: Oh, I see. So where how did how did the person how would a client arrive at that hypothesis? Well, no. the, the basic idea is uh, it, the, and you know, this is, uh, I think a lot of us have our own personal take on where these uh, beliefs uh, have their origin, but uh, quite often we do formulate different ideas about how the world works as we're growing up. Uh, we get certain ideas are reinforced and then we continue to reinforce them. And so uh, that's, that forms the basis and these, uh, these usually manifest in this three broad families of beliefs that we call, we affectionately refer to them as the three major musts. These are, we usually have, all of us have beliefs about ourselves, uh, functional and dysfunctional. We have beliefs about others, functional and dysfunctional. And we have beliefs about our beliefs about our lives, both functional and dysfunctional. And so what happens is when I see something, going back to my example, or could be anybody, they see their spouse texting somebody, that's the activating event. And immediately, and mood, there is some kind, there is a sort of feedback loop here that takes place. Uh, We know, for example, empirically, that when people are experiencing depressed mood that tends to influence their cognitions and vice versa. But anyway, without getting into the weeds there, somebody looks at their, they see their spouse texting somebody and immediately one of these major musts becomes activated or one of their beliefs becomes activated. And it stems from their general philosophy about what should or must happen. And that's what leads to the emotional consequences. So where we intervene is we help people identify those, uh, those beliefs and we help them modify them to be more flexible, usually the form of preferences, sometimes humor, things like that. So uh, the hypothesis, the, the hypothesis the client forms about the world stems from in CBT, we would call it their core beliefs. In REBT, we would talk about the three major musts. So these are beliefs that are there. They're very, they're very rigid, they're very strong, and they're notoriously difficult, but not impossible
0: to root out. Yeah, and I I want to add to that excellent uh, explanation that um, when that uh, the... <coughs> Uh, well, let me back up a little. Kevin was referring to A, B, C, the activating event, which is a situation. B is your irrational belief about it, if you have an irrational belief about it. And C is your disturbed emotion. Um, if you have an irrational belief, that leads to a disturbed emotion. And I'm not so happy about calling A an activating event because it sort of implies that when you see your wife texting, Uh, it's going to activate this belief in your mind. I'd rather call it an antecedent event because uh, if you see your wife texting, you could think, uh, oh, she's texting her friend, Mary, or you could think nothing of it because you're preoccupied with other things while you're watching her text. So, uh, So I prefer that kind of terminology. What do you think, Kevin?
1: Well, I, I, I agree with you. If we talk about classic behaviorism, it is the antecedent. Uh, I, I tend to think I tend to think of these irrational beliefs that we have, and all of us have them. Every last blessed one of us has these irrational beliefs floating around. Uh, I, 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 I see them as being dormant mental structures that are just kind of there. And depending, uh, there are lots of things in play that we're probably not even aware of scientifically yet. But I, I like that term activating event because it it seems to, it seems to bam, it just seems to bring it out. And so that's that's why I like it. Technically, I think you're correct. It's an antecedent, but I'm, I'm not going to quibble.
0: Okay. Very good. Very good, Kevin. And uh, Niraj, we're nearing the end of the program. Did you have a last read?
2: Yeah, yeah, so I have one uh, sub question in this. So the argument which I wanted to make, if I can get David's advocate, and that is that we disregard Freud's theories as fantasies. Okay. But, or probably Freud hypothesis as fantasies. But Jordan Peterson wanted to argue that the hypothesis generation is also a kind of, it can also be a kind of fantasy, that is assumption that the hypothesis generation, in, in, in case of REBT that the musts are the root cause of uh, the emotional disturbance, is also a hypothesis generation, and it is assumed that it is, uh, how, where does it come from? Uh, it is assumed that it is come from some logical deduction, but is it true?
0: Is what true, what I'm calling a fantasy, true?
2: I am saying that many of the Freud hypo- Freud's hypotheses are disregarded as fantasies.
0: Yeah, right.
2: And in REBT also, we we uh, propose some hypotheses. Yes. And uh, Jordan Peterson's argument, it seems, is that they are because of some logical uh, deductions. But is it so? It, the psychological, psychologists never question where does hypothesis came from? They are more focused on the testing part, uh, proving it that it is false, and then generalizing to the principle.
0: Yeah, that's one uh, difference between REBT and other cognitive behavior therapy. We do hypothesize where it comes from, and uh, we have an answer, and that is, it comes from our human nature, our biological predispositions, and it comes uh, to some extent, from our experience and what we learn from people around us. So that's where it comes from. Now, Jordan Peterson is an interesting character. And I, I did an uh, uh, episode on Jordan Peterson, I think it was with David Ramsey Steele. And he builds himself in his book, 12 Rules for Life. He builds himself as a cognitive behavior therapist. And then everything else he says is... Based on Freud and Jung, which is 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 very strange, but um, uh, so I agree that uh, we generate hypotheses, which you could call fantasies. I think the difference between a fantasy and, and a hypothesis is a fantasy is a hypothesis that has no evidence to support it, and uh, so maybe it's demeaningly called a fantasy, whereas we call our hypotheses uh, just. Hypotheses that could be looked at empirically. Well, we don't have uh, more time right now, so I just wanted to conclude by thanking you, Niraj, for coming on and making this a particularly interesting, thought provoking program. I really appreciate that. Great, great questions. And uh, thanks, Kevin Benbow, REBT therapist in Yuma, Arizona, and um, Chris Rossini, our tech engineer. Without whose help this probably wouldn't be happening. And I'd like you to comment below if you have any questions or thoughts about what we discussed. Uh, put in questions if you have questions. Volunteer to be on the program like Naraj did. Looks like he survived. And so uh, please join us on a program. And uh, donate to Patreon to support our episodes and, uh, tune into three minute therapist podcast next week to stay on the rational side of life.